Hello, everyone, and welcome to McGill Cares webcast series, Supporting Family and Informal Caregivers. I'm Claire Webster, a former caregiver, certified dementia care consultant, and founder of McGill University's Dementia Education Program. I work with a dynamic team of leading healthcare professionals to oversee the program, who include Dr. José Moret from the Division of Geriatric Medicine, and Dr. Serge Gauthier, Professor Emeritus, formerly of the McGill University Research Center for Studies in Aging. McGill Cares is supported by the Amelia Saputo Community Outreach for Dementia Care. We have a very interesting topic today, which is oral health and dementia. My guest is Dr. Michael Wiseman. Dr. Wiseman is an associate professor in the Faculty of Dentistry at McGill University, who has published many peer-reviewed articles and book chapters on geriatric dentistry. He has a private practice in Cote St. Luke and is on staff at several Montreal hospitals, including Mount Sinai, St. Mary's Hospital, and St. Anne's. Good, good morning, Dr. Wiseman. Good morning, Claire. It's always nice to see you. <laughs> so please give us a little bit more background about your career. Well, um, I got to say I've, I've been lucky. Um, I, my practice, I have a private practice as well as I work in a variety of different hospitals and I teach part-time at the university. But um, I got to say my origins and why I like taking care of a special needs patients started uh, basically how I financed my education. I worked at a place called Miriam Home for mm -hmm. over nine years as a child care worker, paying my way through school. So as I tell my students, I don't see any type of handicap or any type of problem. I see a patient, okay? And I believe that we have to be patient-centered in our care. So um, I see patients from autistic patients to uh, intellectually handicap to physically handicapped patients in my practice and of course i see a lot of alzheimer's patients and i think not just me but i think a lot of dentists out there are willing to treat this group of patients because that's our profession we're here to help so i'd like to begin by talking about why is oral hygiene so important to our health in general and how can poor oral health affect us as we age? Well, we know that with uh, poor oral health, you get things like root cavities, which are cavities along the base of the teeth. And you also get cavities on the top part of the teeth, which happens throughout life. But the root cavities, you've got to imagine it like a big tree with an axe. You get that little V in the tree, the tree could fall over. The same thing could happen to your teeth. When you get these root caries and they get very persistent and are very rapid in their growth, it leads to destruction along the roots where these teeth can crack and fall over. Same thing happens with the gum disease, okay? When you have a lot of gum disease, these patients will suffer a lot of problems, including tooth loss, but will also have a variety of infections as well. Um, we know that tooth loss leads to poor chewing abilities, okay, so poor masticatory function, uh, which in fact causes a poor nutrition. So it's all linked, or the mouth is linked to the, you know the old song, the elbow is connected with song. Something is the mouth. The mouth is connected to the whole body in my eyes. So with poor nutrition, these patients uh, start lacking important vitamins and uh, protective uh, nutrients 
to help them repair and grow, and could lead to pain, infections, and probably even worse, um, you don't have to be demented, but as you get older, if you're missing a lot of teeth in your mouth, you may not, if you live in, a, say, a nursing home, you may not want to go down to the dining room and join your friends because you get embarrassed. So there's a loss of self-esteem as well. So all these factors sh clearly show how oral care is very much important uh, to the overall health of the patient. We know also that as we age, we have a whole bunch of comorbidities, such as arthritis, okay, which could limit the ability of the patient to brush his or her teeth. So that's where the caregivers, McGill Cares, McGill Caregivers, uh, we they have to go in there and help. They can have visual problems as well. They may not be able to see their, their face in the mirror as well as they used to. This is where the caregivers must step in and provide care. So you mentioned earlier, you know, gum disease and root canal, for example, and I have friends who have had root canals in their 30s and 40s. So what are like the signs and symptoms or risk factors to having like gum disease or root canal? Well, one of the big problems is, uh, which is what we see in our aging population, is xerostomia or dry mouth. Okay. What happens is that as we get older, we get a collection of comorbidities. We get arthritis, we get high blood pressure, we get all sorts of things, and we take a lot of medications for that. Um, it has been listed over 750 medications that are currently prescribed cause a dry mouth. And when we look at our aging population and with all the comorbidities, the heart disease, the pulmonary disease, et cetera, et cetera, all these patients, their medications will come together and be super additive to cause a dry mouth. And the dry mouth uh, rids the saliva. Saliva is always called the wonder fluid. It not only does it remineralize teeth, not only does it lubricate your teeth, okay, it is it helps in digestion, etc. The saliva is a wonderful liquid, and when we lose it or have decreased volumes of it, we get all sorts of problems associated with uh, this type of aging mm -hmm. and associated most often in case due to medication-induced xerostomia. Mm. And does dry mouth happen, like, is it all day long or is it something that happens in the evening? And if so, like, what could we do to, like, you know, uh, prevent it or not not necessarily prevent it, but, you know, uh, help uh, facil like facilitate that it's less of that? <clears throat> well, dry mouth itself, um, I first tell my patients, that think of their body as a sponge, okay? A dry sponge has no water. So if you don't hydrate yourself, okay, appropriately, you will go and have poor saliva production because this your body's not gonna be able to produce the saliva. Um, additionally, we know that patients will have uh, dry mouth and at nighttime, if they're sleeping with their mouth open, it will dry the mouth even more, more overnight. And some techniques that we can use to try to alleviate the dry mouth and is can use these uh, water-soluble lubricants in the mouth, okay? Uh, Lactic biotin makes some, for instance, but perhaps a cheaper brand is simply go to the pharmacy and pick up a water-soluble lubricant such as KY jelly or mucal mm -hmm. jelly. It's used on mucal tissues that are associated with 
the vagina and the anus, but also the mouth's um, mucoid tissues. So it can be spread in the mouth to help, I call it, loosen up the gears of the mm. dry mouth. Mm. Um, if the patient does not have any teeth at all, then sometimes a couple of drops of lemon juice on the tongue will help produce uh, salivation. If they have teeth, I do not want anybody to use lemon juice because you'll basically be putting acid in the patient's mouth and will cause the teeth to erode, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's also important that the dentist that the patients go see provide uh, products such as topical fluoride varnish, which helps protect the surfaces of the teeth against the dissolution caused by the acids in the mouth. So um, what, could, can you what can you describe are some of the most common problems that you encounter in, in older patients? Um, we use, for, for probably number one would be the cavities and the gum disease, okay, uh, which we discussed. Failing that, uh, we also have forfeiting dentures. And this could be due to the fact, again, that the denture may be falling. If they have a full denture, for instance, it will fall because, again, their mouth may be dry. There's actually, we know that there's the major salivary glands. There's three pairs on each side of your face the sub, uh, submedibular, sublingual, and parotid glands, but there's also a whole bunch of minor salivary glands in your mouth that do a lot of work. And these include glands along your palate. So if you're very dry, you won't get that suction and the denture will fall, okay? So we see that and we just see, unfortunately, a lot of poor oral care, a lot of poor oral hygiene, a lot of plaque buildup, which can lead to a whole bunch of things, including what we're going to talk about in a few minutes, things such as aspiration pneumonia, and may also be linked to other diseases such as arthritis, diabetes, and Alzheimer's disease. So then, as dementia progresses, it can be difficult to get people living with it to the dentist. Do you have any suggestions to make receiving dental care easier for those living with dementia and their caregivers? Certainly. Um, first of all, you got to think, <clears throat> that if they get dementia, the patient gets dementia, going anywhere is like going from here to uh, uh, Egypt, for instance, and a whole new place. It could be next door, but it's a whole new environment. So what I do suggest, if you have a loved one that is ha suffering from dementia, call up the dentist that you see. Uh, hopefully the dentist has no steps. So it makes it easier for the patient to go up because sometimes mobility could be a problem. But call the dentist that you see. See if you can bring your loved one to see that dentist if he or she is willing to treat uh, Alzheimer's patients. And probably arrange first for an hour of just sitting in the waiting room. That will help the, the patient see people walking around, they hear noises. They may have, people say dentist room smell. I don't smell anything in a dental <laughs> office, but people say you do for disinfectants and so forth. There but, is a smell. I will say there is a specific <laughs> <yeah>. smell. <laughs> so I don't see it. Maybe I'm oblivious to it now. Uh, but let them get used to the smells. And then after they've done that and they feel comfortable, let's go to the next stage. The next stage may be speak to your dentist and say, may we bring... I'm going to call him Mr. Smith, okay, in uh, my 
husband, my father, whatever it might be, and let him sit on the dental chair for five, ten minutes, and then go go home, okay? We're not pushing treatment right away. And then we gradually go from sitting on the dental chair to reclining in the dental chair. And if he doesn't feel threatened or uncomfortable, great. And then we can do our exam, and then we can provide care. Sometimes we do have to use some sedation in dental offices, but that's being done in the dental office and not being done for home care. And there's a whole bunch of tricks I can give right now for home care, which is very important. So this is a technique where called, there's a variety of techniques. One is called bridging, task breakdown, and chaining. And what that means is this. Task breakdown is you tell your loved one, open the toothpaste tube, spread paste on the brush, put the brush in your mouth, brush the tooth. So you're giving instructions, you're breaking it down into simple tasks, and you may say differently each time. You may say, open the toothpaste tube, take off the top of the tube, screw it, just because they will catch a couple sentences, a couple words, and then associate it with what you want them to do, okay? Brush the tooth over there, go up and down, side, any way, as long as they put a brush in their mouth, I don't care, let them brush, okay? Um, that's past breakdown. Bridging is when you give the patient a toothbrush, for instance, in their hand, and they're looking down at it, and they see that toothbrush, okay? You're holding a pen, but imagine it was a toothbrush. Uh, they see that toothbrush, the brush, and things start to click in their head and know that it's for oral care and expect the unexpected. This is um, slides given to my old friend of mine, Jane Chalmers uh, from Australia, where you see a patient here holding the brush and then starting to brush her teeth by herself, okay? There's chaining. I kind of modeled that by the old uh, Model T where you start the process and then the uh, car takes over. Same thing happens here. You start brushing, and then the loved one will start brushing his or her teeth by themselves. Um, the advantage is it tries to preserve their autonomy, so they're doing it themselves, okay? But they have to be evaluated. Then, of course, is the hand-over-hand technique, which we use with our children, okay, to help brush their teeth as well. Finally, there's distraction, okay? So if you're gonna hold, if you're gonna brush uh, someone's mouth and they're a little bit aggressive, for instance, okay, you could take a box of Kleenex, such as this, for instance, and tell them to hold it really tight in their hands. And then I will often do this in my office, to put my hands around their hands and squeeze it around the paper towel or the Kleenex so that their hands are holding this and say, I don't want it to fall, I don't want it to get dirty, okay? And so by doing that, their hands are occupied and you can get it in their mouth and provide the care. So these are examples of distraction. So you can give dolls, gears, all sorts of things in order to provide distraction, <clears throat> excuse me, but I simply use paper towels in my office and that works the best, okay? So 
these are different techniques. Now, in reality, you shouldn't just use one technique. You got to use them all. Okay, so you put them all together. Another thing I do recommend for uh, taking care of aged patients is a power brush. Those electric toothbrushes, such as the ones by Oral B and Braun. Okay, uh, not being their spokesman, but they are more efficacious in tooth cleaning than a manual toothbrush. So for that reason, I would strongly recommend a power brush to be used in these cases. What are the links between, or are there any links between oral health and Alzheimer's disease? Well, certainly are. Um, mm -hmm. um, there has been a link, okay, that clearly shown in animal studies that when you lose a lot of teeth and your ability to chew and digest foods decreases, the amount of acetylcholine, the neurotransmitter that's so important in brain transmission in the brain, the neurons that we know occurs with Alzheimer's disease, there's a decrease of this uh, neurotransmitter, it actually will drop. So that shows you how important nutrition and the oral cavity is to help promote um, acetylcholine. We do know also that when I was in dental school, we learned a thing called the blood-brain barrier. The blood-brain barrier, you got to think of it as a saran wrap, goes around the brain and around the spinal cord that prevents anything from going from the peripheral side of the body into the brain. This was an amazing thing that blood-brain barrier was a, a, a thing that made drugs hard to penetrate into the brain, et cetera, et cetera. We do know now that with aging, this blood-brain barrier actually becomes saran wrap, okay? Mm. Um, sorry, becomes a Swiss cheese, excuse me, becomes mm. Swiss cheese. Saran wrap becomes Swiss cheese, allows for things to go through. Not only that, we have a whole collection of nerves in our head and neck area. And we know now that viruses and microbes could go along those tracks of those nerves into the brain as well as go through the blood vessels into the brain. So we now know that that saran wrap, that impervious area has often been penetrated. So knowing that, what's the link between gum disease and that? Well, we know that gum disease will, does not just stay locally on the tissues. It actually will penetrate the gums into the vessels around the gums and travel. So what travels? The bacteria travels, viruses will travel, um, lipopolysaccharides, these are pieces of cell, cell membrane from the bacteria will also travel, as well as the gums themselves in inflammation produce inflammatory products and they will travel. So all these factors travel from the gums to the rest of the body, including the brain. When it reaches the brain with a compromised blood-brain barrier, it will affect a whole bunch of cells in the brain. And one of the most common cells is the microglial cells, which are uh, cells in the brain tissues that basically are, think of the white blood cells that we have in our blood, they're very similar in their actions, okay? But it causes inflammation. And this inflammation will lead to neurofibril tangles, to um, beta uh, uh, um, amyloid 
producing uh, production in the brain, which will eventually cause Alzheimer's disease. So it's interesting that this is the, the model that they believed. What is very interesting now, they have isolated one of the bacterium found in oral plaque called Fusobacterium nucleatum. It's no test, you don't have to memorize that word, okay? But they found antibodies for this organism in the serum of patients with Alzheimer's disease. And we know that this bacterium activates the microglial cells in the brain to uh, increase tissue necrosis factor and all the inflammatory products associated. But what's really cool is that when they've taken this bacteria and injected it into Alzheimer-prone mice, okay, they had increased levels of the uh, beta amyloid and tau production, okay, the cross and, and the t tangles that occur in the brain. So it clearly shows, and they had, of course, the mouse had resulting cognitive impairment when they ran their mazes. They couldn't run them as well. Clearly showed that the oral bugs can cause uh, dementia in patients. So it clearly shows that we are living in a situation in which if we don't take care of the um, gum disease, we're more prone to get Alzheimer's disease. Okay, so one last very important question is, what can we do to best take care of our teeth? How many times should we brush? How do we brush? Like, please give us some some tips. Okay, well, the best thing to do, of course, is see your dentist, okay? Um, see your dentist, depending on the level, some patients have to see their dentist every three months, get oral care, okay? Um, so brush at least twice a day and floss, okay, to get in there between the teeth. And I understand it can be difficult for some flossing some loved one's mouths, okay? A trick that you could use, brushing and flossing, okay? I, I'm going to use my pen here again, but you can get a stack of tongue depressors or popsicle sticks, four or five popsicle sticks, and you tape them together like so, and you have the patient bite down on it like that, okay? When they're biting down on it, the other side of their mouth is open. So you don't have risk of being bitten, okay? So they're biting on it, and you can provide the floss or the brushing uh, quite easily. And when it comes to flossing, taking the big string of floss can be very difficult working with patients. So I'll, I like those little violin bowl flosses, okay? You get from the dollar store or Walmart. They're one single use, of course, and you may have to use more than one per session, but you throw them out and they're easily uh, usable in very tight spots. Mm -hmm. Dr. Wiseman, thank you so much for such an incredibly interesting and educational uh, webcast. I know that we are going to get a lot of emails about pe from people asking how they can get a hold of you. So what would be the best way for people to get a hold of you, and where is your um, clinic located? Well, I can give my email. I have McGill email. Mm -hmm. It's yes. Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L dot Wiseman, W-I-S-E-M-A-N at McGill. M-C-G-I-L-L dot C-A. And my private office number is 
1-800-273-2630. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Claire, for the kind invitation. So this webcast is an initiative of the McGill Dementia Education Program, which is funded by private donations. If you would like to make a contribution to our program or for more information, please visit us at mcgill.ca slash dementia. And if you would like to join our mailing list to be notified about upcoming episodes of McGill Cares, as well as other important resources from us, please email us at dementia at mcgill.ca. Thank you for watching.